thinking about that is after I had announced it and I thought, well, maybe my first thoughts about this were not the best ones. Maybe I ought to reconsider this. But then I picked up the old Bibles that I was referring to and I started to look at them and dwell on things that I saw in them. And I changed my mind again. I knew I had chosen the right thing. So this morning, I want to share with you some thoughts about old Bibles. It isn't necessarily a good thing to be old. And old doesn't necessarily make something great or good. On the other hand, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing either. Sometimes we think old is bad because it's out of date and new is great because it just got here. And oftentimes it's the very opposite. The old things are what you know you can depend on. The new things, not so sure. Old people, you know whether you can depend on them or not. New people, and I mean younger people, I'm sorry youth. But the longer you have a chance to prove that you're dependable, the more people know that you are. So old can be a good thing. New can also be a good thing. The Bible speaks about old paths, and it speaks about God doing a new thing. I don't believe God is caught up in age, age of people age of buildings or property or anything else. I don't, I don't think that's what matters to God. But I do know this. Some old things give me a solidity, an anchor, a settledness that I do not have with things that I am uncertain about and unsure about because in their lack of maturity, I've not had time to experience them and get questions answered about them. So there's some old things that I really am glad are still around, including me, and some of you. And I think that God looks at it as being a good thing to have weathered the storm, to have come through the trial, to have stood the test, to have engaged in the battle and come out still holding strong to faith and believing God to be the God that he is. So I'm glad that a lot of you older folks are here. I want you to stay around for a long time. <laughs> I, I, I've said this before, but I've I haven't literally done it, but I mean by having the funerals. I've buried too many people that I love in this church. And I'll bury you if the time comes and the occasions for me to have to do it, but I don't want to. I hope I don't have to do any more of that while I'm here in this church. And I'm going to be here until Jesus comes, so that means I don't want to do it anymore at all. So, but the Word of God is an old, old book. I don't care how many translations or versions you come up with, the real truth of God's Word is still an old revelation. There's no, there's no new 
confession of truth or victory or doctrine that we need beyond the revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ that was given primarily to the Apostle Paul, but to others as well, as they made to known to us in a clear and distinct fashion all the elements of this gospel that the Lord Jesus Christ preached while he was on earth and all the things that he taught while he was among them. So I've looked back at some old Bibles, and I have had a lot of Bibles in my life. I did not bring with me this morning all of my old Bibles. Because if I had... I'd had two armloads, and I don't think I've ever thrown away a Bible. If I had a Bible that got thrown away, it was done by somebody other than me. It got misplaced, or somebody intentionally did something with it, so it wouldn't clutter the place up with it anymore. I don't know. But I do know this. These are just some of the old Bibles that I have. And I picked these out as I was looking through them, and several others I left at home. As I was looking through them, I picked out these Bibles because every one of them has something in it that has been a great deal to me in my life as I've walked in the path of the Lord and followed Him over all these years. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says this in the English Standard Version. It says, The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. That's the definition of God's Word. Given by inspiration, given by revelation, given by the work of the Holy Spirit, making God's truth known to his servants so that they could bring it to us and leave it for us in written form, giving us a guide, a pattern, if you will, to walk this life for the glory of God and in pleasing stature with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Word of God. And over the many, over many years, over the many years that I've endeavored to walk with the Lord, I have had to have a lot of corrections from did you start out and get perfect and stay perfect all this time? I didn't make it. I've had to have a lot of corrections along the way. And usually I find that the correction of the Holy Spirit has come by the Word of God. I rarely have ever had the Lord say to me, you don't know this and you haven't been told this yet, but it said stop doing that, don't do that anymore. I usually have God say to me, you know what God, you know what my Word says. And if you want the answer to what you're considering right now, it's in my word. Go there and find it. You know where to find it, too. And usually I do. When I start feeling somewhat carnal, when I start getting angry at people, I know you didn't think I did that. By the way, I don't do it anymore. I just, but when I used to do that, <laughs> when I used to do that, I start getting angry at people. I start feeling not the way I really ought to be feeling about somebody or some event or something happening. And always I have found the Spirit of the Lord will direct me to His Word. And I find there a mirror that says to me, I'm wrong. Do it differently. Change your mind. Don't think that way. Think the way you're supposed to be thinking according to my Word. And by God's help, I usually try to do that and practice it. 
That's why I preach forgiveness so much. You've heard me preach about forgiveness in this church again and again. And I probably will keep on doing it because it needs to be done again and again. A while back, a while back being several years ago, God spoke to me about two people that I needed to forgive. Now, I didn't hate these people. I wasn't holding a grudge against them. But I had never actively forgiven them. One of them was already dead. I thanked God when he died. Which tells you I needed to forgive him. <laughs> but after he died, I didn't think much about it anymore. And I just went on. And I went a long time. And, and, and this was a person, not a church person, just somebody else in my life. And then I had a person that was a member of my church who I thought was a really good, close friend of mine. For all intents and purposes, he was. He made me certainly believe that he was in every way. He was always there at my right hand. And then I found out that he was doing all kinds of things to sabotage me, stabbing me in the back, saying things that weren't true, in other words, telling lies. And I, I thought, well... Why would he do that? I never did figure out why he would do it. But he did. I was in a meeting one occasion, and his wife was a part of the uh, committee that was in the meeting, and I started talking about things that were going on. And and I just said some things. I, I didn't name him, and I didn't even refer to him. But in the course of the meeting, his wife spoke up and said, Well, I guess you're talking about my husband. And I thought, Well, then I must be. If you recognize him, I think I was. And I, so I said, yes, I was talking about him, to be honest with you. Well, that's just, you know, I have, a lot more, I, have, I have a lot more wisdom today than I used to have. I, I do really, honestly. I, God has helped me so much. I know you thought I was always perfect like I am today, but <laughs> no, no. I, I'm just remembering that occasion. It was an interesting meeting, I will tell you, after that happened. But, but, but along the way we grow, and, and that was, those were the two people, the guy who died and I didn't care, and the other guy who, if he had died, I wouldn't have cared either. I'm just being honest with you. But I never thought about, I never, I never hated them. I didn't go around hating him, and every day I'd think about, boy, I wish he were still alive so I could really go over and smack him in the face. Or I wish I could find this guy who moved away so I could go and tell him what he really is. I never had thoughts like that. I never dwelt on that. I just, did, I just didn't think about him anymore. I just pushed him out of my mind and forgot it. And one day, the Lord spoke to me from his word when I was reading about forgiveness and getting ready to preach about forgiveness. And I was praying about getting closer to God and drawing into the presence of God. And I was praying about getting closer to God. And the Lord, I know by the Holy Spirit, said to me, Well, you're talking about forgiveness and you're preaching forgiveness, but you never have forgiven. And he told me his name. And you also never have given, and he told me the other person's name. And he didn't have to tell me twice because I knew their names very well. One of them had a funny name. You wouldn't even forget if I were told you right now. You said, I've never heard anybody name that. And I thought, well, I've never been anybody like him. That's why he got that name, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, so, 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 I, so as I, God spoke to me about forgiving him, both of them, I said, well, Lord, I don't, I'm not holding anything against him, but you have never actively 
specifically, pointedly forgiven them. And that's what you need to do. So I prayed about it. And as I started praying about forgiving them, I realized, down in my heart and in my spirit, I realized I had not really forgiven them. Because as I started to pray about it, those old feelings that I had towards them kind of started coming up again. Instead of being instantly gone, they were there. So God helped me to see that I needed to forgive them. And that all came because of His Word. Because His Word is very clear, very plain, very specific. And it has not changed. When you have to forgive somebody for what they did to you 25 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever it is, you have to actively, specifically do what the Word of God says. You have to actively forgive them. And God's Word will show you and tell you how to take the steps to do it. If you're holding anything, even if it's down in your spirit, covered up, so you don't quite recognize it today, you need to follow the same old pattern. This is not anything new. You don't have to go to the psychologist for them to tell you, oh yeah, we've come up with a new formula, this is the way you do it. Or we've, yeah, we've discovered a new way. This makes it easy, no matter what somebody did to you or against you, this is what you do to forgive them. You'll never find a new formula like that because there isn't one. Well, there's one standard, same old way, not changed in the old book, in the old pattern, in the old style, in the old formula, everything else about it, as old as can be. And Jesus said, if someone offends you, forgive him. How many times should we forgive him, Lord? Up to seven times? No, up to 70 times seven. In other words, don't keep a count. Because if you have to, if somebody keeps on doing it, if you let them keep on doing it and you stay around them without them doing it, that's just another story. But, but as long as you're offended by somebody, harmed by somebody, there is one thing you must do to live in victory, and that is to forgive and keep forgiving whoever that is. You can't change that. Because you see, the old way is still the same way today. No matter what anybody told you, if you'll do this and do that and take these three steps, it'll all be all right. It won't be all right till before God at his altar, you've laid down with the book open in front of you, and you said, oh, God, I forgive him or her. I forgive that person. It doesn't matter what he did to me. It doesn't matter what she did to me. I forgive him. I forgive her. I turn it over to you, and I hold on to it no longer. And God, take it out of my heart because I forgive. I didn't plan to say that much about forgiveness today, so there must be some good reason for it. So that's why I preach on forgiveness so much. And that's why, you know, when I say to somebody, I'll pray for them, I don't ever say that unless I intend to do it. And when I say it and intend to do it, I do it. One day the Lord spoke to me and said, you know, when I was reading about let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, I used to have a person always, I would take him home, and every time he got out of the car, he'd say, y'all pray for me, and I'll pray for y'all. He was a little bit. Y'all pray for me, and I'll pray for y'all. Well, I knew he wasn't praying for me, and I said, okay, and I wasn't praying for him. But a long time later, I'm now reading God's Word, and I'm, I'm thinking, what does that mean, let your yea be yea? And, and I felt like the Lord spoke to me saying, well, when you tell somebody you'll be praying about it, you don't pray. You don't ever do it. 
Well, I started thinking about that, and I prayed about it, and I decided, here's, here's my, this is my plan going forward. And I've told you folks individually lots of times. If you, and it's like the Lord saying to me, if you say you're going to pray for somebody, that's a sacred thing. Don't take that lightly. If you tell somebody you're going to pray for them, they expect you to pray for them, you're responsible to do that. So if you're not going to do it, don't say you are. So I changed my pattern. I changed my plan. I started doing it differently. I started being very careful when I said, I'll pray for you. And then when I did say, I'll pray for you, I did it. I just went on and did it and kept doing it. Now, God doesn't have you pray for somebody because you say it one time to pray for them for the rest of your life. But as long as God keeps it there before you, you are to remember them in prayer and be faithful about that. Well, I started looking through these old Bibles, and I, I, I started thinking about a lot of people. I'm, just, I'm going to talk to you about one person, but just one person. I could tell you some, some, some great things about some great people, but I'm going to tell you about just one person. Because I picked up this old Bible. This is the Amplified Version. And it's, it's specifically for two reasons. First, it's the first Amplified Version of the Bible I ever owned. I wanted one when they first came out. I was trying to save up the money to buy one. And a friend of mine who was a member of my church gave me, came in and brought me one day. He knew I wanted one. He came in and brought me this Bible. I'm not going to tell you a lot about him, but I'm just going to read this out of, uh, out of this Bible. The date is 4, 25, April 25th, 1973. I know you gasped a little bit at that. Some of these Bibles are older than this one. <laughs> and he said, to my pastor, and he put my name in there. May God's Holy Spirit continue to bless him. And he signed it, C.E. Chick Wimble. Not too long after I gave up the pastor of that church, Chick passed away. He went to be with the Lord. He's a good, good, faithful brother, a longtime bachelor, and uh Faithful as he could be. And what I remember when I read this in this book, is I've read it several times over the years, and I've always kept this book, not because you can't get an amplified Bible. You know, I don't need any of these Bibles anymore. I've got all of them on a tablet. I can look at everything in the Amplified Version, the NIV, the ESV, King James, New King James, Phillips Translation, NLT, all of them. It's in a, in a flash to find them. But I hold on to these old Bibles because they have meant something to me, and they still do. They're kind of an anchor to me to keep the truth that is the same truth as in all of them. But there's a different emphasis because I don't have any other Bible that was given to me by Chick Wimble as an example. The Bibles that were given to me by other people, and I treasure them. But this one goes back a long ways because this man was always faithful, and I always felt he was faithful to me. Loyal to me. He's loyal to the Lord, but he was loyal to me because he knew that I was God's servant. So he said, may your Holy Spirit guide him forward as you have guided him to now. So I've held on to that. And many other things are here I've held on to. This is one of the Bibles that I really, I, I, I don't know why this is so special except for the fact that I have to, when I use it, I have to kind of put the pieces and hold them in here because they're falling apart. And I, and, and I can't give you a, a specific date on this Bible, but you can just look at it and feel and tell that it's old. It has a date in here. It shows in the flyleaf of this Bible when I was first ordained to preach. 
goes back a long ways. <laughs> it's uh, August, I, I'm, I'm just teaching. August 26, 1956. So I owned this Bible back then. I don't know how, much, how long I'd owned it before then. I got to the place where it was kind of, I thought, good for me. I, I, I bought these smaller Bibles. You know, I'd go up in the pulpit. I'd stand up and preach in the pulpit. And I'd hold this Bible up and wave it and thump it and all kinds of that, that one, too. And so I, I went through a phase when I thought a smaller Bible was better. Then I got to a larger Bible, and I just changed all kinds of things over the years. But I haven't ever changed the Bible. All the different styles and all the different things that I've had about it, all the different covers and all the different ways that they were presented to me, I never did anything about changing the Word because the Word has stayed there and it stayed the same and it's true today in the same way that it was true then because the Word of God has never changed. And not only that, not only that, it never will change. God's Word is one of the immutable things that we can depend on to carry us through into eternity with Him. Hallelujah. I'm going to suggest, I know this, my preaching is a little bit different this morning than the way it usually is. For those who are here for the first time, come back some other time and give me another chance, if you will. <laughs> I'm not selling books this morning. But this is one of the best books that I've ever read on the Bible itself. God wrote a book. We've, we've had them here a long time. We, some of you have had them because you've got them here. And then I brought a stack of them or had somebody bring them and put them out on the book table out on the floor so they'll be there. These books, according to the word information I was given, cost us almost $12 a piece when we bought them. And that was at a good buy. We bought them in bulk and bought them at a discount. And if you, can, if you want to take one of these home with you, they contribute $10 for it. But if you don't have this book, it's worth more than $10. It's worth $50. It's worth more than that to me, because I've read it a couple of times, and I'm reading it again now. started reading it again a couple of weeks ago, and I'm reading it through carefully, more carefully than last time. It, it tells you the, the valid premise that the Bible is the Word of God, and as small as it is, it has a great deal of really eternal truth in it, and I am not, I'm not selling books today. This, you, can, you can take over less than it costs the church. Make a contribution of $10 or so if you can, if you want to take it. But I recommend this book to everybody. If you've never read it, please read it. If you read it and find it isn't worth anything, it's really not worth it, and you come back and tell me you really decided it's really not worth it, I'll give you $20 to take it back from you. Now, it really sounds like I'm selling something, doesn't it? I'm not. I'm not. They're out there on the book table, though, and somebody will be there to take your contribution if you want to take it. Because I just know, I just know it is so helpful to dwell on the Word of God as this book presents it. And it's something that I would, want not, would not want anybody possibly to miss who can get it and read it and take the time to read it. It's a, simple, it's a, a book written in simplicity but with clarity. And it will strongly reinforce your faith about the Word of God. So... All of these old Bibles that I brought that I brought with me today, I, I brought because they each one have something in particular for me that I deeply care about, and and I can't I can't go into all of them and tell you about every one of them, but but just 
but just some of them. This is the first Bible that the Gideons ever gave me. It's a New Testament and Psalms. I was so excited to get this because I wanted a Bible that I could carry around with me all the time and always have with me. Of course, this is long before the days of tablets. Because you can have it on your phone now. All the versions of it, have it on your phone if you want to carry around all the time. But, but this was before then. So they gave me this little leather-bound, and I liked it because it's blue, New Testament in Psalms. And I've got through all of this thing. I would carry it around with me when I had a few minutes to stop and read. When I was in an appointment or waiting for somebody, I'd, I'd highlight it and mark it and write it in. So I've written all over it. And, I, and sometimes it really helps me to take these Bibles that I've marked in and written in and, and not remembering particularly where I marked something or highlighted it or put it down with a note and go back and read through it again and find out all of those years how the truth of God spoke to me by the Holy Spirit, how he revealed himself through his word. And then, and then to sit there and think, and thank God what he showed me then is still the same today. It's still the same. So this book that I, that I first picked up, this old Bible. I think this is the oldest one up here. It looks like it. It feels like it has my, it has my name in gold here on the, on the front. It had. It's worn away so much now you can only read it by looking and seeing it's indebted in the leather. But I wanted to mention this one to you because I wrote some things on the flyleaf of this book. This is the one I had a minute ago when I read about my ordination date. And I wrote things in this Bible. You know, keep in mind, I was just a young Christian. And just, 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 in, just beginning to learn to follow the Lord. The first years of my Christian experience. So I would hear something, or God would give me a thought, and I'd write it down and keep it. So on the fly leaf of this Bible, I wrote things like this. If you knew Jesus like I know him, you would love him too. That's still true today. I can say that to you right now. If you knew Jesus like I know Jesus, you'd love him too. And then I wrote... A Christian is a mind through which Christ thinks, a voice through which Christ speaks, a heart through which Christ loves, a hand through which Christ helps, and a number of other things I wrote in here. This is the, this is the last thing on this on this page, this flyleaf page that I wrote at the bottom of the page. I said, I cannot tell how precious the Savior is to me. I only can entreat you to come and taste and see. That's the mantra of a Christian who's preaching the Word of God, preaching the Gospel, and telling people to come to Jesus. That's what that is. So, how many of you have your Bible with you today? Old or new, whatever it is, you have your Bible. Because I know you think I forgot to have you lift it up. But I didn't. Hold it up. Say this after me. Say this after me. This is my Bible. I believe it is God's Word. I am who it says I am. By this Word, I know Jesus is my Savior. I will believe it and practice it. I will use it as my guide for my daily life. I will follow its directions. And it will lead me all the way to heaven. Amen. And that's true, my friends. It's true. Because.
because of all the things that have changed in this world, all the things that have faded away, all the things that are virtually useless today. Do you remember what a wonderful thing it was when the IBM Selectric typewriter came out and you changed the little balls and you changed the font? And if you want to change the font you're typing, you take the little ball and you change it. And I see some of you smiling. You remember that, don't you? Oh, it was wonderful. And then the next thing you knew, we had a word processor. What was that? But you didn't need those little balls that IBM selected. You didn't need that anymore. We had, the, we had the word processor. And then the word processor got so much, there's so much in there you can't even use one-tenth of it. I can use it just enough to do what I need to do. I can't even use all of it. Don't want to. Don't want to learn to use it. So much of it. And then when the fax machine came out, we could send faxes. Well, in a moment, we could send something across the telephone line. That was so easy. There it was, something we could never do before. Faxes are gone almost today. Now you scan it and email it. Remember when if you want to make a phone call, an emergency call, you had to stop and get in a pay booth, pay phone booth? We said something the other day about a pay phone, and one of our grandchildren said, What's a pay phone? You know, one of those that was in a phone booth. What's a phone booth? <laughs> things are changing. This world, this life is changing, and things are changing all the time. And I read several times recently, I'm scared by it, but I read it. It says that there are going to be driverless cars. Some of you ride in them now. <laughs> but... but I, I, that, that's got me concerned. Or maybe it'll be an improvement in a lot of ways. I don't know. But I'll tell you that things are changing. But when you don't want something to change and you want to know what you can stand on, you want to know what's same, the same yesterday, today, and forever, you want to know something that's just like it used to be and it's just like it's always going to be, something that's going to hold up that was true then and is true now, it will be true tomorrow and it will be true into eternity, something that's never going to change and is always going to be the same. God's Word is there for you to stand on, depend on, and trust it as the revelation of God. The grass withers, the Bible says of itself. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord remains forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, the cover is worn, and the pages are torn, and places bear traces of tears. Yet more precious than gold is the book worn and old that can shatter and scatter my fears. When I prayerfully look in the precious old book, as my eyes scan the pages, I see many tokens of love from the Father above, who is nearest and dearest to me. This old book is my guide. It's a friend by my side. It will lighten and brighten my way. And each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it each day. As old as it is, it is still the Word of God and the dependable guide for our lives. Will you stand with me, please?
Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring enlightenment to the hearts of those that may be still shaded in darkness. That you will bring light from the Holy Spirit and the life of Jesus of Nazareth who rose from the dead to give us life. And in it bring victory. 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 Because we believe and follow your word. Move on us by your Holy Spirit, I pray. And I'm going to ask you, my friends, while your heads are bowed in prayer.